0: hey there listeners welcome to horror movie club the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review i'm Ashvin, and i'm on the phone with brian and this week we we'll to be talking about the 1987 film evil dead 2 dead by dawn directed by sam raimi and starring bruce campbell sarah Barry, and dan hicks in this recoil to the 1981 evil dead film a man finds himself once again battling possessed deadites in a remote cabin. If you are new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode. Then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back in to go over the plot, hit the spoilers, and jump into our review. And this kicks off our month of sequel September. We're going to be covering a bunch of sequels this month. Uh, I guess four, four sequels or five sequels?
1: I think it's just four, but then I think the way it's going to work out is our first episode of October is probably going to be Saw 10. Oh, no way. Okay. So it might be five sequels. Great. So bleed in October a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this is a fun one to kick off
0: sequel September with. Um, Brian, you're, I think, yeah, you've mentioned on this podcast that
1: you're a big fan of the Evil Dead franchise. Is that right? I am. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> Oh, do, I, do, I'm like thinking like yeah I think I am
0: yeah I don't know why I always associate that with you but uh you uh, I mean it's I think it's pretty uneven franchise like all, all films are so different in this franchise but when you when you say you're a fan of it is is this like your favorite of the films in this franchise
1: no it's not I actually the the reason I hesitate is because I always consider this my least favorite no way. and yeah even though I know that many consider it to be the best one, or, like, one of the best horror movies ever. Yep. I'll just go ahead and spoil it that I disagree. I don't don't think it's one of the best in the franchise. Okay. uh, Yeah, I I still consider myself a fan of the franchise, but I'm realizing I think I need to rewatch Army of Darkness, Hmm. probably do that next sequel, September, before I can really cast myself as an Evil Dead franchise fan. Got it. Evil Dead, the original... And Evil Dead remake, fantastic movies.
0: So eighty one in what is that? Twenty thirteen was the remake.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. So those I'm are like surprised you went with uh, Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn as the title. Wasn't is, it only in promotional materials that it was referred to as that?
0: Is that right? I, I couldn't tell. If it in maybe other countries, uh, it had the full title, but it was Dead by Dawn, just basically uh, like a subtext. I of? think
1: it was like promoted with that as like a title, but it was actually released as Evil Dead Two. But got it. Yeah, maybe it's hard with these alternate titles. It's like it, it's a comp. It's like a weird little trail of breadcrumbs.
0: <laughs> yeah, where do you stop with that, right? And, <laughs> and dead by dawn, uh, that that comes into play in the last Evil Dead film that came out this year, right?
1: They start chanting it in Evil Dead Rise, similar to the way they do in this film. The demons. Right.
0: Yeah, and so I don't think I'd seen this movie before. I, you've
1: seen this a few times. Uh, I think this was probably my second time only seeing this oh. film. okay, yeah. okay, cool. I know,
0: like, when we've talked about it, you've always said, like, this film is, like, a funnier version of the first film, which uh, seems like an appropriate way to describe uh, what yeah. they were going for here, right?
1: Yeah, I would... Plain and simple. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> just like a different tone. And, it, and it, it's weird because I saw the first one and I saw Army of Darkness and the jump from one to three is just insane. And it sounds like Army of Darkness was supposed to be part two. But uh, yeah, I think the producers who came on and funded this film, a guy named Dino De, De Laurentis he requested that they stick with a film that was more similar to the first one. And so watching this, after having seen the first and third one, this one, like, you can help kind of make that transition from one to three, right? It it plays a pivotal role in the tonal change that you see.
1: You know, that's a good point. It is kind of a tonal bridge between the first one and the third one. Gotta believe that dude's name is Dino instead of Dino, but (laughs) it'd be pretty cool if it was Dino.
0: Man, if I had that name, I'd go by Dino. That's awesome. Dino sounds kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, part part three is just like so wild and like I, I didn't get that one. But see, seeing this one, you kind of see where that one comes from.
1: Sure. Yeah, that was Army of Darkness was like you said, that was the idea for this one. But the producer was like, eh, why don't you do something more like the old one? Yeah, right. Right, exactly. And the old
0: one was uh, a huge hit, I think, on a budget of like 375000 It made, I don't get the box office number on the first one. It was like $2.7 up to $27 million. Did, did Did you ever see that?
1: <laughs> I don't remember that, but... Uh, it's like this yeah, huge range. it was just really poorly recorded data. Yeah, yeah, probably. We recorded an
0: episode on the first one, right?
1: We did, yeah. Okay. A long time ago, it feels like.
0: Yeah, yeah, I kind re- of remember that one. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think uh, they were trying to follow the success of that first one. Um, but in between that last, the, the first film and this film, I guess Sam Raimi did a movie with the Coen brothers called Crime Wave, which was a box office failure, so he was having some trouble getting funding for this film, but Stephen King is really the person who kind of came in and uh, promoted this film around uh, Hollywood to get uh, people to jump in and fund it. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. Did you, yeah, you know Yeah, he that? was
1: a really big fan of the first one, so he was kind of like, hey, Dino, you should you should bankroll this movie. And,
0: and he's like, it's Dino, but yeah, great idea.
1: <laughs> it's Dino, but sure, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stefan. Uh, yeah, so, so it's cool that uh, he, he had such a big role to play there. And then uh, Sam Raimi, this is his fourth film, and uh, he made this film, he wrote it with uh, an old friend named Scott, Spiegler, S- sorry, Scott Spiegel, who has worked with Raimi on a number of films. One of the films that uh, they've worked on together was Within the Woods, which was a precursor to Evil Dead. Did you ever see that movie? I think it was a short film. Oh. Oh. Have you seen it? No, I've never seen it. It sounds interesting. Like, if you like Evil Dead, it seems like that's the OG version of it.
1: Yeah, I think that was where they got the idea. I can't remember if that was a short film or just something they worked on when they were kids, so it was, like, pretty amateur.
0: Okay. But yeah. It I mean, would be interesting to check out. Yeah, it would be. It seems like the the franchise kind of came out of there. So it'd be fun to see. Um, this movie, pretty gory, uh, but also, like, they kind of lean into Slapstick and... Uh, it's uh, supposed to be more comedic, as we discussed, than the first one. Um, and I think in, when they were releasing this, they uh, they skipped out on the MPA rating by creating the shell company and distributing it under this company called Rosebud Releasing Corporation. And that allowed them just to uh, get, yeah release the movie as is and unrated. I thought that was really, really a really cool workaround that I've never seen in '80s films. How about you?
1: That was pretty interesting. Yeah, and because it sounded like they had already like bought out the theaters. Yep. And what and they'd already done a, a bunch of the marketing, and so they're like, okay, we did all the important stuff <laughs> <laughs> under the big name, like with the taking advantage of our existing network and everything. Now we'll set up the shell company so we don't have to send it to the MPA. Yeah. That's genius. <laughs> I
0: didn't know that's it was an option. pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly it's an indie film because you, right. you made up the shell company and the rules don't adhere to it. That, that's wild. You really good on their part.
1: That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um budget here though is like yeah way above where Evil Dead was. It was said Evil Dead was $375,000. This one was 3.5 million, so 10 times the budget. Which uh my recollection of Evil Dead is kind of limited, but did, did you feel like the effects on this one are way over like what we saw in Evil Dead part 1?
1: Strangely no. I don't feel like it you can see th- that <laughs> giant level of difference in the money. Agreed. Um at least not in the effects.
0: Yeah, yeah, the 10x uh, increase. Yeah, you don't see that in the effects. Um, yeah, ooh. I mean, there's
1: good effects in this movie. There's good effects in the first movie, too.
0: Yeah, I forgot to write it down, but it's
1: that Greg Nicotero guy, right? Who's in the effects? Yeah, there was a, a wide variety of, of big names who worked on it Mark Shostrom, Greg Nicotero, Robert Kurtzman, Tom Sullivan, to name a few. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of yeah. fun core going on. Like yeah, definitely renowned for its effects work, and renowned in general. It has an 88% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 89% yep. users, uh-huh. named number 19 on Entertainment Weekly's top 50 cult films, number 49 on Empire Magazine's list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Wow. Even outside of horror? Just in general? Just in general. <laughs> <Nice>. Top 50. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a spot.
0: 500, yeah. Um, Box office only made $5.9 so... I don't know if it was a huge success when it came out, or do you think a lot of that was on the back end, VHS?
1: Yeah, I think that was considered a disappointment and, you know, became cult following on the back end, yeah. Right. Um, cinematography was a guy named Peter
0: Deming. It was only his second film, but he went on to do huge things like Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive. We talked about him recently in The Menu, Cabin in the Woods, Scream 4, Drag Me to Hell. So he, he went on to have a huge career. Um, a lot of these films have, like, a signature camera work that's tied to like these early evil deads of Sam Raimi like the monster zoom and like how uh, I think you see things dragging me to hell too like the random zoom ins and things and uh, yeah uh, yeah kind of random camera work is that a lot This a lot of this guy is that more Sam Raimi you think
1: I would say that it's always hard to know the influence of one over the other um, and right. Jason on our episode of On the Fly I think one of his takeaways because he like had shot horror films and stuff we were like, "Hey, what's you know, something we don't know." And he was stressed how responsible a cinematographer is for the way a movie looks, even though it's often attributed to the director. But right in this case, I, it, this does feel very Sam Raimi because it's so similar to the first one. Yeah, it's very frenetic, and some of the movies Peter Deming would go on to do were much more static. For sure, that. but that's just, they're different types of films. I, I feel like a good cinematographer also can like adapt to what the project is and right, the not have style. the same exact style in every film for sure yeah yeah they're playing to a vision of the director probably right right and he's seen the first film and okay i know what we're going for he can't shoot this like he shoots the menu right right exactly
0: yeah it's kind of crazy to have that range uh to shoot things so differently. but you're right like w- what we see in this film is so like signature to Raimi and even like the new Evil Dead's, I think they have some element of it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. D- uh, the The new Evil Dead's, I've seen the remake and the one that came out this year. Those follow more in the vein of like the or like the tone of Evil Dead One, right? Not necessarily this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, the remake from twenty thirteen, very dark. Mm-hmm. And Evil Dead Rise, I think, is less dark, but still very much similar to the tone of the first one. Like we are going we're trying to scare you and evil right. dead 2 i don't think is really trying to scare you an army of darkness drops all <laughs> pretenses of being exactly. scary
0: <laughs> so you think like two and three are the comedic ones and then one and then the the remakes are all more like on the leading on horror right
1: yeah i wouldn't call evil dead rise a remake
0: but yeah yeah that's a sequel to a remake yeah, that makes... Well, actually, yeah, what is Evil Dead 2? Is uh, Or Evil Dead Rise? Is That's not necessarily a sequel to 2013, is it?
1: I would say it's just an installment in the franchise. Um, it's implied that the first film exists. I can't remember if they make any mention of any of the events in 2013. So I think mm. it's just a, a film that kind of takes place in the universe.
0: Okay, cool. That
1: makes sense. Uh, any other
0: works in the franchise you want to call out or years you want to mention
1: oh uh, yeah i guess i'll do the whole year thing <laughs> the, the evil dead came out in 1981 evil dead 2 in 1987 army of darkness in 1992 and then it would be 21 years later that evil dead came out in 2013 and another 10 years till evil dead rise in 2023 then there was the tv show ash first evil dead 2015 to 2018 30 episodes of that
0: yeah, I would. I would wonder. I, I think that TV show maybe leans more into part two and three, than uh, in the yep, tone. In the tone, yeah, more more kind of leaning comedic and action oriented, versus like horror.
1: Yeah, that's my like never ending horror uh, horror assignment is just to watch more horror TV.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember catching some of that series, and it was pretty fun. Nice. Uh, yep. Um, let's see. What else? You got any other background on this?
1: Oh, not too much. This was scored by. Joseph Laduca, who scored the first three films and the TV show. And this was a this is a movie we were definitely going to do no matter what, but it, it was also a request and I'll, so I'll give a shout out to Juan M who requested it. And I have a minor correction. We never really do corrections that often, but this one I felt <laughs> should have been straightened <laughs> out. Well, yeah. In the episode shit, what episode even was it? What did we just release? Uh oh, the last oh, Demeter. Yeah, the last the vo- last voyage of the Demeter. We yeah, we said that. Have the We were like, wasn't he in anything for Jackson too? But that was Troy James. Wow, oh, okay, another okay. kind of spindly, double jointed type guy who plays ghouls. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Uh,
0: did you figure that out on your own or I did. You know I was else? listening back oh. to it and thinking. I don't think we're right. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually my reaction when I listen to any of
1: our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Most of the time, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying there aren't other things we got wrong, but I don't know why. I just yeah, it's the thought that comes Mix <laughs> up tall, gangly guys. Sure, sure. Yeah, nice. That's good correction. Felt like oh. an insult to the gangly community.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Good, good uh, correction there. One uh, other cool bit of background on this that, that I didn't realize. I think this film inspired the game Doom from 1993. That. Would, would become like a huge game for a lot of us growing up. Did you ever play that one?
1: I, no. I would sit next to my friend and watch him play it sometimes but how uh, about you? Were you into that one?
0: I was into it yeah, yeah. That was, that was a fun after school game to play on the PC. Um, I think yeah, I started with Wolfenstein then I got up to Doom and then I think Duke, Na- Duke Nukem came after that. Mm, you right, never played right. any of those uh, first person shooters? I never
1: did any PC gaming. Oh, no way. Except for like SimCity and Oregon Trail. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're such a nerd,
1: man. <laughs> Why well, he likes like the economic factors
0: on those, like the budget planning and the resource well, management.
1: Well, Oregon Trail we had at school, yeah, and then I think SimCity like came with our computer or something. Oh, wait. So what were you using your computer at home for outside of Sim City, to chat up 16Fs uh, on oh, yeah, <laughs> 16 <aimed> chat rooms?
0: <laughs> ASL. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn, yeah, yeah, I should have been on that instead of uh, going down this doom rabbit hole. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a fun game to play, and, and cool to see that that came out of this. Uh, yeah.
1: You got an Ohio connection for us? Um, yeah. As always, our Ohio, our Ohio connection comes from Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in the area, you got to swing by for some great drinks, pierogies, and a great patio while the weather's still nice. And Alex said... Evil Dead 2 is a comedy horror film directed by Sam Raimi and co-written by Scott Spiegel. It stars Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams, who vacations with his girlfriend to a remote cabin in the woods before unleashing a number of demons which possess and torment him. Scott Spiegel is a screenwriter, film director, producer, and actor. When Spiegel first moved to Los Angeles, he shared a house with film directors Raimi, Joel Cohen, and Ethan Cohen, and actresses Holly Hunter, Frances McDormand, and decorated actor Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates' second film role was the 1982 stage play adaptation, Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, directed by Robert Altman. This play was first performed in 1976 in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Whoa, nice. Good connection. Hey, yeah. she's, uh Is she the one who lived in, or she was in Misery, right?
1: She was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully, she didn't live. <laughs> doesn't live in misery. Yeah,
0: that's cool. They all shared a house together, and I can't. I, I'm really curious about this crime wave movie. Like, I love the Coen brothers, and Sam Raimi uh, has done some cool stuff. So, I, I'm curious uh, how that film was and why it was a disaster. It's got Bruce Campbell in it too. I think. Have you, have you seen it?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm really curious about that one. Interested in check out?
1: Yeah, I think uh, once I feel a bit more rounded out and all the, i've seen all the horror films i want to see even though the yeah. list will be never ending i'd love to just check out more of the films these directors did that aren't horror movies and sure. just get a better profile of who they are as a director right finally get around to like watching the northman
0: yeah the I'll, do, uh,
1: I'll do that soon
0: yeah no i, 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 I hear you it's like you get excited about these directors like even like john carpenter's and stuff but then they go and do non-horror and we kind of miss out on that side of their
1: I feel like if I was a, a normal person without a horror movie podcast, I would have done these things, but I feel like every spare chance I get, I'm like, oh, I have to, <laughs> I have to further my education.
0: I know, right? Flout out that nerd new How are you
1: but doing on that, is, by the way? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing on, I'm on plan. Cool. You know, I'm slower than maybe some people might be, but I've, I've got a path mapped out and I'm pretty much on track. Um, Do you have a score? Like, what's, what's your standing right now? Oh, I can't remember what my standing is right now. I think I'm at about 430 out of 500, okay. somewhere around there.
0: Oh, ah, getting close. Nice. I
1: aim to be done by our six-year
0: anniversary. So. Whoa, whoa. Nice. You're going to be talking to a nerd on here pretty soon. That's right. Exciting. All right. Well, are you, anything else, or do you want to jump into the plot? Let's jump into the plot. Cool. Hey, before we do, though, uh, I got a nail sticking out here. you mind if, I, uh, if we take a quick break? I, I just, I just want to find a hammer and fix this
1: sure yeah you better handle that
0: all right cool I'll be right back hey brian sorry about that i'm, I'm back
1: Hey, buddy, did you uh, figure that nail situation out? Uh,
0: You know, I couldn't find the hammer, Uh, the the room I usually keep it in. I went there, about when I looked at where I keep the hammer, there was just this chalk outline of where it was supposed to be. So I'm sure it's going to pop up here any minute now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
1: sure a headless
0: corpse will run in and (laughs) swing at you. Yeah, (laughs) that's usually how I find lost things. (laughs) It's (laughs) a chalk outline of it, and then some headless creature comes in it <laughs>
1: where's the orange juice
0: yeah <laughs> oh thanks headless body <laughs> give it a few minutes here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so the movie begins with the explanation of the book of dead which has been missing for a few centuries now uh i don't think the first film started with that explanation did it
1: no it did not we didn't go into the the backstory on the book in that much depth
0: yeah yeah i was kind of surprised to, to get that right away then we jump into the storyline of our main character, Ash, who was in the first film. But um, yeah, there's, th- these characters have no overlap with the first film, right? Like w- w- We're not supposed to assume Ash like lived through the events of the first one and is now coming back to the cabin, right?
1: Well, yeah, it's a weird... I think basically what they're doing is like, you know how the Friday the 13th sequels would do a recap of the things that happened in the yeah. last one? I think basically what they're doing is that, but like re... Shooting it. <laughs> so, Linda is still, she was in the first one. Or, oh. Yeah. Okay. So, instead of seeing everything that happens in the first one with Ash being the last person standing. Yeah. They just reduced the characters to Linda and Ash. She gets killed, possessed by a demon. It's just oh. him who has survived in this cabin. Got it. And theoretically, it could have just been picked up from what happened in the last film. Like, yeah. But that's that st- same situation could have all occurred, but yeah. it's weird because they like redo it. It, I mean, that's a, a big beef for me with this movie. It's just like, what are we doing here? Like why <laughs> we <Why>? do, <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people love both of these movies, but for me, I feel like my love of the first one inversely affects my love for the second one because it's just like, we had a great movie that already did this. Why are you doing it again? yeah it's yeah. just so strange
0: yeah i don't know man i, I can see the merits of both because uh, if it went the way uh that you know normally the friday the 13th and, and like you're describing where it builds off of the end of the first one then as a new audience member coming into this you might like feel some regret that you missed out on like some plot elements from the first one uh so i kind of like the f- fact that like the starts fresh and does like the whole first movie within like the first 20 minutes here with two characters basically right
1: yeah, but it, yeah, it's so interesting when when movies chose to do that and when they didn't. Because yeah. next week, we're going to be reviewing A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and they don't do that. Right, right. They keep and it if continuity. any movie had a justification to do that, it's that one, because they cast a different actress <laughs> yeah. in the, the key role. So it's just odd. And then they do the voiceover explanation about the Necronomicon anyway, so they could have just thrown in... A, a, a sentence or two about Ash, you know, and his sure. friends discovering it, and then dropping like flies, and Ash being the only one remaining, and boom—we're right where we left off. Right, right. You've already got a narrator explaining things.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But the, yeah, Hmm. yeah, that—that that is a really interesting point. I—I I, I think both could have gone two different ways. I think if you had gone that route, then it would have been harder, maybe, to change the tone if you're directly building off of the first one, and that one obviously didn't have like a lot of humor in it. And was more horror if we then picked up at the end of that and went forward, it. And, and I think you would have to be more adherent to that first tone, right?
1: I don't think so. I mean, you really have to, like, redo some of the first film to change the tone of the sequel a little bit. I, don't... I
0: Yeah, I forget. What, what was Ash's character like in the first one? Is he very different than how he is in this film?
1: He's much more, <laughs> like, restrained. In... And he's not an all-out cartoon character. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, like, so There's so I... a little bit of that, but they're like, basically like you're off the leash in this yeah. one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think that would have been a weird uh, transition to have him go from a more serious character to suddenly this g- comic of a character. Uh, d- don't you think so? Uh,
1: no, I don't. Okay. All right. I, I mean, <laughs> it, I just, I don't understand your argument that in order to change the tone, you need to redo a part of the last movie. Yeah,
0: I, I don't see them I don't see it so much as a redo as an efficient recreation or, or retelling. Or I mean I don't know. Uh, I, I think maybe it's maintaining the integrity of the first film. And in this film they're coming in with a whole different intent and tone and they don't wanna degrade like what the the IP that they've already built up with the first one. And so I, I kinda like the idea they're starting from scratch and retelling the story in a whole different way with a different kind of character persona. Uh, and it doesn't then mess with like the continuity of like, you're not worried about like tying things back to the first film.
1: Yeah. But to me, that kind of does degrade the first film. If you're like, we're going to just start over again. Yeah. But you don't
0: think it gives like both films, like the space to live independently of one another.
1: Maybe it's just so, so weird to me. I don't it's a know. yeah. I don't know. It's I don't, it's, I just don't like it.
0: It's a unique decision. Yeah. 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 I, I can see it having fans, uh, uh, split, but uh, I I kind of appreciated the fresh start. But I understand what you're saying. You would have liked to see the greatness from the first one carry over into this one.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying a little bit too. The yeah. intro with the narrator really reminded me of like a William Castle movie. He's the guy that did House on Haunted Hill. Oh,
0: sure. And at one yeah. point,
1: they even have just like a spiral on the screen with like ghosts kind of coming at you. Right, right, exactly. It, it <laughs> felt very reminiscent of that. that yeah. era of horror.
0: Yeah, nice kind of throwback to some of that cheese. Uh, and, and I think there were some words here at the beginning, right? Oh, no, no. That was, uh, there weren't any
1: words. It was just that talking. <laughs> you're, so. you're getting confused with A Nightmare on Elm Street. which yeah, we're exactly. recording after this. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, Ash and Linda now are on their way to this remote cabin. And at the cabin, Ash finds this tape recorder and hits play. And he hears a man retelling this discovery of the Book of Dead. And it reads some scripture, the voice reads some scripture, which brings the evil spirit back to life. And it races through the woods in the signature of Sam Raimi style and attacks the cabin and possesses Linda, turning her into this deadite that Ash has to battle with. He manages to cut off the deadite's head with a shovel, but then he gets attacked himself by the evil spirit and he briefly becomes possessed before the sunlight shows up and, uh, pushes the possession out of him so this all happens like i think within like 10 15 minutes it's like we're right in this what, what, did, what did you think
1: you're over over he <laughs> finds the tape recorder at four minutes <laughs> and he beheads and buries linda at six minutes oh man
0: so <laughs> okay. it's so fast <laughs> yeah 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 i was i was, I was like uh yeah, yeah I, was like, I was like kind of whiplashed last year. like whoa we just ran through like the first movie events like <laughs> like, like like fast uh face here
1: yeah, which is like kind of to your argument, it's less a redo, more a recap. Yeah, but it's not framed as a recap. It's just it, it's unique. It's unique. I, it I probably for big fans of this film, it's like you guys are nitpicking the shit out of this. But uh-huh. if you saw it when you're a you were a kid, or just kind of younger, or if you saw it before the first one, you may not have thought that much about it. But to see it for the first time as an adult, I think I saw this in my twenties. It's kind of like, huh. <laughs> okay if you don't know that that's coming it's it's weird yeah
0: it is really weird yeah like usually you'd expect this a half hour in or something uh, right. and there's like no suspense build up right it just like hits all of a sudden
1: it's yep exactly yeah. uh
0: but I, yeah it, it definitely threw me for a loop here like how, how quick it came uh and then yeah the dialogue and the character setup is obviously pretty weak right like there's like barely any conversation between the two of them
1: um but sure. also that could have been a complaint with the first one too
0: uh, yeah, you don't you don't have more of a build up there and like You do have more setting. build up for sure. Yeah. So this like kind of skips any build up. Uh, the other thing that I think this introduces is the idea that once you are a deadite, if you're in the sunlight then it goes away. Is that Was that in the first film?
1: No, because they never really it kind of all took place over one night and yeah. He makes it to morning and and typically in these films like if once you make it to morning you're you're good. Right. Which, and you know, the whole dead by dawn, like, we'll get you before we our power <laughs> runs out. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like it's explicitly spelled out as canon, but yeah, maybe there's more of that explained in Army of Darkness, too, but... Mm.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a, uh, like a shortcoming of the dead powers, so the, what are they called? Necromania?
1: Deadites. Oh, but but the book—the uh, book is, is the ne- uh, Necronomicon.
0: Oh, Necronomicon, yeah, yeah. And, and what do you call like that spirit that's like flying through the the camera zoom?
1: Uh, I just I feel like it's been called monster vision. Oh, okay, okay, got yeah. it. Dead deadites like the people who get possessed, right? Deadite is the demons, yeah. Yeah,
0: cool. Uh, yeah, I, that's something I like about this franchise. It kind of created its own monster with its own set of rules, which is kind of fun.
1: Yeah, it is cool.
0: Yeah. So, as you mentioned, yeah, the next day, Ash tries to escape the cabin, but the bridge home has been destroyed, so he has to go back to the cabin, and there, Linda's decapitated body comes back to life, using some heavy stop motion. Was stop motion a big part of the first film, as well? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, it, it looks pretty janky and like
1: comical here. but well, Yeah, are you talk- the, the scene when Linda's dancing around yeah. is... That looks bad.
0: It does, and like some whimsical music's playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what looks really good is when Bruce becomes briefly, or Ash becomes briefly possessed. Yeah, his, his face makeup is, awesome. is excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And but that. Happens yeah, again, this sequence with into. her dancing around does not doesn't <laughs> age well.
0: It doesn't. Yeah, it's 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 really random. Um, but uh, he like sits back in a chair, and suddenly her he gets attacked by her decapitated head, which bites his hand. Uh, He manages to find a chainsaw. Well, actually, he goes to look for the chainsaw, but just finds a chalk mark outline. And then her headless body comes running with the chainsaw. And he's able to grab the chainsaw and cuts her head in half. But now his hand has become possessed. And he comes into battle now with his hand, which is making like this weird noise and trying to kill him. So he cuts it off with a chainsaw. And then he walks around the house, basically losing his mind as the entire... How appears to be possessed and kind of taunting him and like uh yeah being like pretty creepy but mostly comical uh what do you think of all of this uh action in, in the uh, the events happening here
1: i think the scene where he goes to find the chainsaw and it's gone and then linda's body headless body rushes in with the chainsaw in hand like trying to attack him is awesome like yeah. that's a really cool like whoa um and those were the kind of movie moments in the first one that make me love the first one so fun to see a sequence like that i don't really appreciate the humor and the tone of some of this stuff like the hand basically talking like <laughs> it's just yeah. like oh boy this is silly and then all the inanimate objects in the house laughing at him yeah. is some of it looks actually pretty good but it's just I don't like that. It's not funny to me or scary, so I don't know what it accomplishes. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it really had, for me, like a
0: Pee-wee Herman type vibe where, like, the house is, like, an animate objects and stuff that uh, moves. So that was fun. I also liked uh, the head, how he, like, put it in that one tool thing and it was, like, taunting him uh, of Linda's head.
1: That was a cool scene.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. I, I, I get you being split on or yeah, not a fan of the hand. Like those I don't know if that was like over the top comedic, uh, or like trying too hard. Yeah, it was weird that it was like kind of a character on its own and like kind of squeaking noises, but I found it like pretty charming and hilarious and like how it was like inching towards a knife and like dragging him towards it, then he had to like kinda stop it. So I don't know. I thought this this part was like really surprisingly trippy and, and fun. But uh, yeah. I I can see the humor not being for everyone. Yeah. Do you gotta, yeah, you gotta I,
1: Oh, go ahead. I think I I can understand that point of view. There's something about it. And there's movies similar to this in tone and style that I really like, like something like Deadstream. Right. But for this one, it's just like not hitting me. And sure. it didn't the first time I saw it either. Yeah. And this time. Not an exception.
0: Oh, and, and, and I think the other aspects of this scene, outside of, like, yeah, the comedy or whatever, do you think there was, like, a psychological element here where, like, it's playing on, like, him losing his mind, like, when he sees a version of himself, like, coming out of the mirror and, like, grabbing him? Uh, is, is there a sense that, like, maybe a lot of this is going on in his head and he's, like, dealing with the trauma of having just, like, destroyed his girlfriend?
1: Yeah, when I said, when I was criticizing it for not being a funny or scary sequence, so what's the point? I kind of argued against myself in my mind, you could argue, yeah, he's just losing it and this is his psychological descent into madness. So it just kind of feels to me there's a good chunk of the movie here where he's just alone in the cabin with (laughs) wacky stuff going on and it just baked into rehashing what the first movie did. It just kind of like, it feels aimless to me in this film. Yeah, yeah. Plot wise, not, mu- not much going on here. This is kind of stagnant. Yeah. Uh, yeah Boy, that makes this sense. is going to be like a The Thing or a.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> exorcist the review where people are just like, Brian, you're an idiot. I feel fine <laughs> criticizing this movie because I love the first one so much that Got I. Got it. You're holding that up as your armor? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, look. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> I like the franchise, but I'm just not a fan of this one.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, cool. Oh, man, I mean, I, you don't remember what we gave. I mean, you, you think you gave the first one of five?
1: Yeah, I know I gave the first one of five.
0: Yeah, I wonder. I'll have to go back and see where I landed on the first one. Um, but yeah, I, so far, like, I'm, I'm liking the, the pace here and, and some of the tonal balances. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about this in the context of the first one. Sure. So, uh, meanwhile, this woman named Abby, who is the daughter of the people who own the cabin, has just flown in from somewhere after finding some missing pages for the Book of the Dead. And she and her research partner, Ed, are coming to the cabin to meet her father so that they can put the pages together. But on the way to the cabin, they come across the bridge which has been destroyed. So they meet these two local people, Jake and Bobby Joe, who agree to help them in exchange for money get to the cabin. When they arrive at the cabin, they find it's been destroyed and Ash is in there. So they think that he's kind of like shown up and like ransacked this place. And so they throw Ash into the cellar. In the cellar, though, he gets attacked by Abby's mom, who's now become a deadite. Uh, they open the door to the cellar to let him out, and the deadite comes out and attacks them. And I think knocks over Ed at this point. And they manage to throw the deadite back into the cellar. But as they do so, an eyeball flies out of the deadite's mouth into... Oh, out of the Deadeye's head into the mouth of Bobby Joe. Uh, wh- what did you think of the the stud in in, in the sequence?
1: I thought the eye popping out was a a fun fun thing to include. And I'm now realizing, oh, they did that in Evil Dead Rise too. I'm not sure if we caught that that was an homage to Evil Dead Two when we reviewed that film.
0: Yeah, when uh, when does it have Evil Dead Rise?
1: In the hallway. Oh. In- Right. Yeah. yeah, goes into some kid's mouth Right, right, yeah, yeah And and those are the only two movies uh,
0: that that's happened in, in In this franchise, it didn't happen in part one
1: No, it didn't happen in part one As far as I remember Okay, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a really cool scene I also
0: thought the Deadite looked uh, pretty cool And, and uh, scary, what, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I think the Deadites Always look pretty, pretty cool Yeah, yeah
0: It's cool to see this one in the cellar and A Deadite in the cellar was a big part of the first one too
1: Right I do think the dead in the cellar in the first one was more effective, with just the relentless like hounding yeah. and nagging. Taunting. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. that was really cool. Uh, yeah, this
0: one. I, I mean, there's some of that. Like, uh, it sings. It, it's like the mother to the 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 one to Abby, and it like sings uh, her a song and like talks about like the day she gave birth to it to, to Abby. Uh, so I I don't know. I, th- I think they tried that, but I, I hear yeah. Part one did a better job making yeah. it more scary and menacing.
1: Another thing replicated in Evil Dead Rise, like a mother trying to appeal to their children on an emotional level like that. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, interesting. Maybe Evil Dead Rise has, has a lot of uh, ties to the sequel.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Um, so then Abby's friend Ed gets possessed and attacks the group, and Ash manages to kill it with an axe. At this point, they encounter the ghost of Annie's dad, who explains that in order to expel this evil, they need to read some passage from one of the pages that Annie has, um, but before they can do that, Bobby Joe, the, the woman who ate the eyeball, uh, runs out into the night and gets abducted by a bunch of trees, similar to the first one. I think in the, in the first one, a woman gets raped
1: by the trees, right? Yes. So they've softened things up a bit here.
0: Yeah. What, do you think they, like, they heard that feedback like, oh, it's not cool to show trees going into people?
1: You know, I'm not sure if they heard the feedback or just decided, let's let's not do it again. Okay. <laughs> that didn't age well over, like, the four or five years. <laughs> yeah, I guess in the 80s, I'm not sure if people would have been as vocal with the feedback on that or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like that's such a part that's, like, often brought up in the first film, and I right. guess for, for controversy, so interesting to see that. Like, yeah, they, they kind of toned that down here. Sure. Um, and then, uh, the Ash... Let's see, where... Oh, sorry. Where are we? Uh, no, to go back. Oh, yeah. So... Jake uh, so so yeah Ash and Abby are getting ready to read the pages of the book but Jake makes them throw the actually throws the pages of the book into the cellar and says we gotta go out into the woods and look for Bobby Joe but as they venture out there Ash becomes possessed and attacks Annie Annie accidentally stabs Jake who is then dragged into the cellar by the deadite and then his body just explodes into this bloody mess Ash attacks Abby again, but right before he kills her, he finds this necklace that he would given to his girlfriend, Linda, and upon seeing it, breaks the spell and returns him to normal. Uh, what would you think? Was there like too much action going on here, or were you enjoying kind of like, the splat-stickiness of it, or uh, how are you feeling about everything here?
1: I was glad the action was picking up and that the plot was furthered. Like, okay, now there's new characters, they've got some ties to the mythology here with the guy who originally found the book, and you know, there's Lost Pages. I enjoyed everything that kind of furthered and expanded the world. Mm-hmm. And, the yeah, good to see some action. And the action wasn't quite as visceral or engaging or intense. Like, it seemed like they went more all out with, like, let's make blood go everywhere. Yeah. But it just didn't have that that energy of the first one that just, like, Something about that felt so raw, and it, yeah. it didn't feel that way here. Yeah, I
0: want to say maybe the first one was a little grosser, and and this one's like a more splatstick. Uh, yeah, like gore.
1: right. Yeah, it's funny because it's in some ways this one's maybe more gory, but mm-hmm. and it, there's definitely more blood, but it's just kind of like oh, a whole big bucket of blood sprays, whereas the first right. one's like oh, we just saw a pencil go into someone's ankle. Yeah. And, Right, and all right. sorts of goops coming out, and it was more felt more vivid in the first one. And it feels like it's just over the top, for the sake of in a more showy way, yeah, right.
0: Uh, for me, it reminded me a lot of your favorite or your other favorite movie. Is it like Dead Alive? Is that what it's called? The Peter, yes, Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I I, I thought you're into like this brand of gore, like where it's like very
1: over the top and splatstick. I very much am, but it just was not done. I felt like there was humor in this movie and there's gore in this movie. It's it's definitely a splatstick movie, but something about something like Dead Alive really incorporates the gore into the humor more and just gets. I I love when we go over the top, but you also have to work in, like, creativity and the mechanics of the scene, Mm -hmm. and it felt like sometimes this movie's answer to over the top was just spray a whole bunch of blood (laughs) at Ash's face. Yeah. And way more blood than you think would ever spray. Yep. Which is all good, but it can't be the only thing. Like, you can't anchor on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, talking about the over-the-top elements. Yeah, obviously the blood. Uh, I think the other two things were uh, Ash's portrayal of, of his character, pretty over-the-top, like a, oh yeah. like seeing lines like groovy or like a, just being, uh, yeah, this really kind of uh, funny character. And then right, his
1: facial expressions. Yeah,
0: throughout the film, right, and this kind of like yeah. wide, wide-eyed look. And then, uh, oh, the the obviously the the monsters too, the Deadites. They're pretty over the top too, right, with the creature design.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, that's consistent with the first one. I, I, I yeah. think the creature design is still really good here. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're
0: saying. So then uh, what happens then is that Ash... Uh, yeah, this is kind of where it gets a little bit more comic bookier action-oriented because he attaches... They decide they need to go into the basement and get the pages uh, so that they can get rid of the spell. So he, the hand that he's cut off, he now attaches a chainsaw to his arm, and puts a shotgun in his backpack, uh, and him and Annie go into the basement to look for the pages of the script. They find it, but on their way out, he gets attacked again by this deadite that's hiding under the stairs, that attacks him, and then comes out and attacks Annie, and it grows a super long neck. Ash finally is able to use the chainsaw to cut and disembody the the deadite with his chainsaw arm. Uh, at this point, Annie tries through the incantation, but the trees now start attacking the house. And this huge monster bursts, and and before she can finish reading it, she gets stabbed in the back by Ash's severed hand, which I feel like throughout the movie, like randomly shows up and like attacks people. Uh, there's that there's that one scene where uh, I think Bobby Joe's like, "Oh, you're holding my hand too tight," and they're like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not holding your hand." And they look down and say, "I like how the hand kind of keeps like popping up in the movie." Just you like causing that?
1: random mischief.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like the, it's like become a character of its own that's just <laughs> randomly popping up that you yeah, forget about. Sure. Yeah. So uh, she finishes reading just before she dies, and this vortex opens up that sucks up all the monsters, including Ash and in his car. And the movie ends with Ash waking up, finding himself suddenly warped back in time to these middle evil, medieval ages, where a uh, flying deadite comes that he kills, and suddenly the local citizens are hailing him. And that is the lead into part three. Um, what did you think of this ending?
1: Yeah, they, and they—they're like he's the hero from the sky, like from the prophecies. <laughs> yeah,
0: which they allude to early in the film, right? At some yeah. point. Yeah, that some hero came.
1: Um, I like that ending. I like that as setup for the third movie. But yeah, I mean something about this movie, I just couldn't get too engaged in stuff aside from appreciating some of the special effects in the sequences. Uh, yeah, I don't know why that that tone. From the beginning of just like, well, what's the point of this exercise just kind of <laughs> remains with me through the whole film. Yeah. And it just keeps me from enjoying it as much as I could.
0: Uh, I know like this is a hard exercise, but if you completely forgot the first film and we're watching this like without that context, then like does the does that make the movie any better for you?
1: I think I would like it better, but still wouldn't like it nearly as much as the first film. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First film superior here. Yeah. Yeah. Got it.
0: Um, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this this finale had like so much packed in, like different monsters popping out, different people getting possessed. Ash got possessed like twice in this film. The hand yeah. coming and going. Different that the, like. There's so much chaos in that last scene with the trees attacking and this huge monster coming in. Like it, it gets pretty messy, but I, I feel like it's pretty high adrenaline. So yeah, yeah. With with your issues on this film and uh, it not like kind of following the events of the first film. Do you feel like the pacing maybe overcomes for some of that? Of just, like, how, like, balls to the walls it is the whole time?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, there was a certain point where I was like, this is fairly action-packed. Why am I just not feeling the same way as I do about the first one? hmm And, uh, yeah, I think it's just that the the stakes don't seem as high, just because we've already watched something like this happen already. Um I don't know. The gags are similar, Mm -hmm. but to me, just never quite as good. I do think the special effects are really good. Like when she gets wrapped up in the tree branches, she's then dragged through the woods really fast. Right. There's some stuff like that that isn't just makeup design, but like just stunts and special effects. Sure. That's just wow. Like, how did they do that? Or that's really cool. Yeah. And. So I was in awe of some of that, and I i mean, I have to admit a lot of the same ingenuity and creativity that the first one had is here, some great camera work, and, you know, unique camera work like the first one had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, and there's yeah. just so many of the moments. I, Three Stooges was an influence, and that's another thing where people... There's a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, the classic Three Stooges is so funny to me. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> I, I th- that type of humor just doesn't get me as much as I, I can enjoy a splatstick movie, but it has to go the extra mile to just do something special and be like kind of complex. Like Dead Alive almost has like Rube Goldberg type elements where it's mm-hmm. just one thing happens that affects another thing and then that, ha- that happens. Sure. It's like they cool. go the extra mile to add some dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, this one doesn't really have anything as, as nuanced as that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's a, the whole time to me it's just like this is just an, kind of an echo of the first movie with no fear or suspense.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, definitely uh missing on the suspense building which I think uh like for me when you say like uh there's doesn't seem to be a lot at stake here yeah i don't know if at any time i was like too scared for like any of the characters but where i think the horror did work for me was in like some of the makeup effects uh like yeah with ash turning into a monster some of the others turning into deadites uh i thought those looked pretty good but yeah i guess the from a scare factor wise um yeah the, the the fear element of the first film like can't be touched by this film
1: yeah, right, and just, it's it sounds silly to say there, uh, anything about stakes, because it's like, well, both movies are about Ash in a cabin, and everybody dies, and he lives, yeah. but at least in the first one, they're his friends, he goes through some drama by like having to dispatch them, mm-hmm. like his sister and his girlfriend. And here, his girlfriend's dead within the first six minutes, and the rest of the characters are just people he doesn't know. Yeah, and he's got like no time to get to know them either.
0: Exactly, and he's got like no time to react to even his girlfriend, uh, like killing his girlfriend, basically. Right. Yeah. Like as soon as that happens, he gets like uh, thrown into the distance.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. It just feels like the whole movie's a showpiece, trying to do like, here's what you liked about Evil Dead. Here's some more of it. Yeah. And I just, I think what made Evil Dead special was. Even though the story wasn't great, like it was there, and it was propelling. It was kind of the backbone you hung everything on, right. right. I hear you. Uh
0: yeah, I, I, I think the biggest weakness here, and I, I think you're saying some of this too, is like there there is no like kind of character development uh, between right. the characters, but th- there is a surprising moment towards the end where he hugs Abby. Uh, which, I, yeah, it was, it was, like, really weird. It kind of comes out of nowhere, because, like, at, at another part, like, she's calling him a coward, and obviously, like, when they first get there, she's, like, thinks he's the one that, like, killed his, her parents and stuff. So it's a weird, like, coming together before she dies. Uh, so I don't know if they're, like, purposely playing with that angle of, like, yeah, we're not going to give you much on these characters, but we're going to have this, like, random scene where they kind of come together, and it looks like there's some kind of romance building there. Do you, do you think that was their intention?
1: Yeah, it was a little bit like, oh, is there some sort of romance blooming that they're hinting at here? But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's quickly taken away. It is quickly taken away. Yeah, uh,
0: I I hear you. you know, it's funny because I, I always thought you loved this film, and so I was gonna attack you on the the lack of character development as someone who likes character development so much. But I yeah, I, I think that that pulls away quite a bit here. But uh, yeah, for for me, it's like really easy to view this movie so separately than the first movie. I almost look like at them as like two separate works of art uh, two different approaches to telling a very similar story it, and and i thought this one in what it was trying to do like exceeded in uh yeah just kind of making a really like fast paced, like not worried about drawing a bunch of like different character arcs and just doing like over-the-top gore and fun action scenes and visually interesting uh i, I thought they kind of nailed uh the, all of that part uh, out of the park um but yeah I, I could see like if you're trying to compare it to the first one this feeling like uh, an inferior film
1: yeah yeah, and I mean, maybe that's a complaint with the franchise overall. It's like, okay, they're all just kind of the same thing over and over again, but... Yeah. You know, there's... I felt Evil Dead the remake really probably had the strongest characters and story of all of them. And Evil Dead Rise at least had a new setting. But yeah, it's still pretty... pretty. Uh, repetitive with the overall plot and the way yeah. things go down in each of That's these. That's true. I would love to see them take a really big risk and go like a totally new direction in one of these movies, but yeah, I have a feeling they'll just follow that safe format. And I, Sure. You know, it's kind of there with the producer who's like, yeah, just do more of what was in the first film, like, will yeah. they always kind of just be hindered by that like oh could, it's an evil dead movie it kind of has to be like this I, i'd love to see it go in a bold new direction
0: yeah i mean it's it stuck to the plot where someone finds a book says the words and they get attacked by deadites right like that's how yeah yeah uh, yeah it's interesting i wonder how you well army of darkness probably is the, the Darkness. Uh, yeah there.
1: which is why i'm like more up on that one and it'll be interesting maybe when we rewatch it i won't feel the same but yeah that was my thought when I originally watched both of these. It was like, okay, at least this one like goes in a bold new direction. Yeah. Yeah, it's very different, but it's just it's a whole different type of movie whereas 2 just feels like a repeat of the first one with a different tone. Huh. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh for me like yeah, two, yeah, exactly. 2 feels the new tone I think for me it makes it feel like a new direction it's like we're kind of resetting and and telling the story again with like a different and then it ties like really well to part three because i I think before having seen part one and three uh i felt like three was like a a terrible movie because like i saw one one had this five was great and then three is just like nonsense uh so this i i feel like really bridges the two and like makes a lot of sense of three so i don't know man like for me this one uh yeah definitely has like a lot of strengths and merits to it which i think to me, f- felt like a whole new direction and a pretty innovative way to take the franchise while telling like the uh, same story, and it was kind of cool to like, I, I think just as an exercise, as like the storyteller, the director, like they told the same story but like do it differently now, and uh, right. and, and, and that, that that could be a pretty hard thing to do, and I, I think they nailed that pretty well.
1: Yeah, you can. There's some sort of old adage of you can get more creative when you have more limitations and confines to work within.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a good, good mix of that. Um, hey, how did Ash know to show up to this cabin? They never explained that, did they, in this film?
1: It gets kind of confusing. He's like, oh, I." he says something about, like, he hasn't heard from them in a week, and he's like, this place is abandoned. It has much more a feel of, like, they're going to someone's house right. that isn't there anymore, but they've only been gone for, like, a week. Yeah. Whereas right, exactly. in the other one, it's like a vacation cabin yeah yeah exactly yeah the setup
0: yeah. is, is, is uh, doesn't make too much sense
1: yeah like there's pictures on the wall of the family when they walk yeah. in right right yeah exactly yeah it's confusing
0: uh, that that part's confusing um let's see any any other things you want to hit on before we jump into the rating
1: oh uh, yeah <laughs> unfortunately i think i'm jumping ready to jump to the rating i just don't have too much to expound upon on this one yeah okay well how many eyeballs
0: flying across the room into people's mouths would you give this one
1: this was tough. I couldn't decide whether to give it a 3 because I liked a decent amount of it or a 2.5 just because I felt very much meh at the end. Huh. Yeah. Where'd you lend? I'm going to land it a 2.5 out of 5. I-, I feel like the film sacrifices the scares of the first film in favor of splastic humor that feels forced in a film that's just mostly a rehashing of the original. And I just, <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I just can't get over that. I don't know why i i can't forgive it for that offense and it just is a a cloud that hangs over the whole movie for me i was i felt like i was borderline falling asleep at some parts which Mm. you know it's a big exciting bloody movie but right i don't know i don't know something about it just doesn't hit
0: me sure sure hey uh two things on that uh well actually just one but when when you talk about the cult following this film has and like even being so high up on lists uh does it Does the fandom usually put this one above part one? Or how how do these generally stack up against each other?
1: I think it's pretty mixed. I think a good chunk of people do put this above part one. Yeah. But I think most of, like, the Discord puts one first. Uh, A lot of the Discord puts 2013 first. Oh, wow. Wow. The whole franchise? Okay. I think... I kind of wonder if maybe the younger fandom is more on board with scary ones hmm. and some older horror fans are more like evil dead 2 is the best one got it yeah interesting could be a generational thing yeah could uh, be. i'd be yeah. interested to hear from people what they think
0: sure wow so you go from a 5 to 2.5 in the in the sequel that's
1: i know i know i'm being pretty harsh I, i'll probably watch it a third time and and change my view a little bit but sure i am also fairly confident in that because i just remember when I saw it 10, 15 years ago, I felt similarly, just like, yeah, huh, what was the point? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, How I'm, I'm on
0: I'm on the other end of the spectrum here. I was at I was somewhere between a four and a half and a five eyeballs wow. flying across the room. And yeah, ultimately, I went with five eyeballs. Like I, I thought this was a classic, man. It feels like just like a wild ride from the start to finish. And it's blending this unique mix of like campiness and horror and splatstick gore to make like a really fun and high energy and what i thought was a pretty innovative horror film i think because i don't remember part one very well and uh maybe because uh, i just associate the evil dead franchise so much more with like the 2013 the 2023 one and the parts of part one that i remember that i remember just being like way more horror and like never like that comedic or slapstick. uh i thought that element in this film works really well, and I know we've, like, differed on our approach to comedy, but uh, this one actually felt, like, really funny to me. I, th- I think the Ash and his portrayal of, like, uh, who who he is and, and and just, like, kind of losing it in this state and uh, the over-the-top gore made, made it, like, pretty funny and, and horror for
1: me. That has been, like, the biggest thing that you and I just cannot see eye-to-eye eye on is comedy. <laughs>
0: yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> Sometimes we both think the same thing is funny, but there have been a lot of times where... You're just like, wasn't that hilarious? And I'm like, no, no, it wasn't funny at all. I know it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so weird that
0: that we we're, we're so different when it comes to what makes us laugh. You what gave tickles the us.
1: original The Evil Dead of four.
0: Ah, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. I think I I prefer this one to
1: the original one. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even though I guffawed at your high rating, I think more people will be. uh in alignment with you. I think there'll be a few people who come out of the woodwork and say, yeah, I'm on board. I, I agree with you, Brian, but I think most people will think I'm nuts for, that for it, yeah. going so low on this one. But sure. it just, I don't know why. It's, <laughs> it's So I can see on its face why it would be exciting, but I'm just not bought in. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's got all the elements, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I
0: wonder what it was. Do you think if there was more character buildup or, or it's like suspense buildup in the beginning, that would have solved it for? I think if there
1: was a, a stronger story and those... Those other characters don't really come onto the scene for a little while, so it's just a weird, it's a weird script to me. Yeah, sure, sure. I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the story and how it yeah. unfolds. <laughs> All right. All right. That's
0: fair. Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And especially if you're, I think someone like I, who's a big fan of part one, I could totally see being like, yeah, this doesn't feel like consistent or un- feels unnecessary right. uh, to the franchise. So yeah, and t- had totally the understand m- it.
1: Had the movie just been like, okay, we're gonna like pick up where it left off. Ash has just come out of the cabin, and new characters come on the scene. They're looking for their dad and mom, and we learn from there about some expanded, you know, mythology. Then I could have understood that a little bit more. But to have that happen later in the movie, it's just interesting to me too. How many sequels take place in the exact same setting? When the setting is like a pretty confined, oh space. yeah, space. I mean, maybe right. some haunted house type movies, but usually it's a new house or a new yeah. family. Yeah, this yeah. is. but th- this isn't a
0: sequel though. This is a requel. It's a remake plus a sequel.
1: Yeah, the Best of both yeah. worlds. four years later, it's just like <laughs> yeah. what, or I guess six years later. But
0: yeah, I I think that is a really interesting choice, but it shows you a little bit about like what Sam Raimi like where he wanted to take this franchise, I guess, right? Like. Maybe he always had like this idea that he wanted to go lean more
1: into comedy and stick less horror. It's also a requel in a way that we sometimes don't use the word requel. Like we don't use it that often at all. I feel <laughs> I like it's, it's new in the lexicon. <laughs> yeah. But Scream Scream Five is kind of like a requel because oh, yeah. it is a sequel, but it's also a reboot. Like we're taking it in a new direction. Yeah. Yeah. I yep. feel like often it's kind of. Requel is used with a reboot and a re- remake, or yeah. a reboot and a sequel. But yeah, this but, is a remake and a sequel, which is just yeah weird.
0: Well, well, Scream Five, uh, it, it takes Scream One into consider, like it, 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 You still have some overlap in the characters, so the the previous franchise still exists in that one. Versus this one, yeah, this one, one
1: it just it doesn't. It's a, fr- yeah. a totally fresh new
0: start. Right, right. So, and, and same with 2013, right? That's just a fresh restart. So, wouldn't you say like this in 2013 kind of tread on the same premise?
1: No, 2013 can be considered a sequel, I, I think, in my, in my mind, because there's like Ash's car in the background. Like, it, it's very possible that the events of the first film still happen. Hmm, interesting. Or okay. I, I could think of that more as a reboot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, I think I I can buy that. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, 2.5 and a 5. Not not a bad place to land. Uh, Anything else?
1: That might be our biggest, uh, one of our biggest gaps of the year.
0: I know. I know. To to get some more of those on the books.
1: I'm going to get some shit, I think, but (laughs) I I feel confident. (laughs) Cool. I'm I'm, glad. These are my feelings.
0: Cool. Make sure you copy me on all the shit you get. I was entertained by it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like you usually get a little bit more of the shit, but <laughs>
0: yeah, I
1: know, like it want the table, straight. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's gonna wrap up our discussion on the Evil Dead on Evil Dead Two. If you enjoyed our episode, please leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's gonna help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on club dot com, or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub dot com. If you want to support our show, you can find a link to our Patreon. On our website at horrormovieclub.com as well You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month And you get access to some fun bonus content Um, We'll also be announcing next week's movie On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram In case you want to watch it before the next episode We're also on Discord Where you can find us and other horror fans uh, Having a conversation about the genre The link to that is on our website Our logo is by Amy May Pop Art You can check her out on Etsy.com And find some merch for our show and until next time, remember to always lock up your severed limbs in a secure location so they don't go on a murder spree and cause a vortex to suck you back in time. Hey, part three, uh, hes it, it doesn't immediately start off back in time, right?
1: Yeah, I think so, but it's been many, many years since I saw that. So oh. but I think it starts right off in where this one leaves off essentially
0: oh okay okay for some reason i thought he's like had a job at a convenience store and then suddenly he's like back there like
1: yeah. oh you're right yeah you're right that's where it starts oh, okay, i think okay. he maybe even gets sucked back in time from the convenience store or something. yeah
0: yeah uh, so then they it's like uh, a big box store so they break some of the continuum for the continuity there
1: yeah, yeah. yeah Boy, the- Yeah, have to watch that one again. I yeah, think that's yeah. probably a contender for next year. Sounds good. I'll see you I'm next sure we're going to get a lot of corrections, too, about stuff we got wrong or guessed wrong from our memories of the Army stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. We know we don't know.
0: Exactly. <laughs>